0: Hello, you're here with Abiding Life Studios. Today in the studio, we have Betty Wells and Chad Salen. And today we're we called Alex Matthew, and he is in India. Alex was actually very instrumental in the inception of Abiding Life Ministries as He was one of Mike's mentors and closest brothers. (laughs) And we're just so privileged to have Alex here today to share his testimony with us. And we're excited to talk to you, Alex.
1: Thank you. Thank you. First of all, uh, let me greet all of you in the precious name of of our Lord. I am in India, in the southern part of India. Just about 83 years old, uh, in chronological age, 83, but as a Christian, I am 65. I missed 18 years in between.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> up to age 15, I grew up in a strict Orthodox tradition, and uh, I mean strict, very, very strict to the point that we were getting up at 3.30 in the morning for prayers. Uh, And so uh, it was uh, very much an Orthodox churchy tradition at our home. And at age 11, I was invited uh, to be an altar boy with the sanctum, sanctorium of the Orthodox St. Thomas Church in my native place, and I served as an altar boy for four years, Mm, I was not very, very happy about what was happening behind the curtains, the priest and the senior folks, the leadership in the church. Worship was... uh, their uh, mission, but personal uh, angles were not all that uh, honorable always, so I had uh, developed a little distaste for some of the happenings, but then the very orthodox, churchy person that I was, I was willing to forget all that, and being of course uh, 12 or 13 years old, those things didn't matter seriously to me. But uh, when I was 15, I left my native place and I went to a junior college some 50 kilometers away. That was a Catholic institution Hmm. run by, again, uh, very strict uh, Catholic fathers. And what I saw there also didn't uh, please me very much. I was out of home into a new place and this uh, new freedom which I found in the college environment probably got into my head and uh, (laughs) I was acting a little big probably and uh, the priests didn't like it. They pulled me up a couple of times and uh, Uh, They wanted me to go for the chapel worship in the evening, which, as a very orthodox person, I didn't want to pollute my faith with any other faith, so I didn't go for chapel services, and that didn't make me a favorite uh, of uh, the clerical uh, folks there.
2: They considered you a rebel. Um,
1: almost. I, I think uh, I was rebelling, all right. Uh,
0: and Alex, it seems to me that yeah. the Lord saw to it that you had a very strict upbringing for some reason.
1: Yeah, I, I should come back to it, because uh, when I departed from that discipline and got into trouble, finally, <laughs> all that training had a role in getting me back to the Lord. Yes, definitely, definitely. What we learn as children, as youngsters, they have a great bearing. So in this uh, college, I was in a hostel. The hostel was named after Cardinal Newman, Newman's Hostel. Well, I and a friend of mine one night went out for a picture. This goes on, this goes on there, and people um, very often go for second shows and come back, and um, nobody is caught, but there was somebody to tell upon us, and uh, the father warden caught me, and he was so glad he had a, had a handle on me to expel me from the hospital. Oh. So... <laughs> promptly he expelled me the very next day it was February and uh, on the 14th of February he expelled me the examination was around in March I had uh, no place to go outside the hostel all the other uh, lodges around were filled with people who have come for writing the exam so you know where I ended I ended up in the party office of Revolutionary Socialist Party.
0: Hey, Alex, at that
1: time was, Alex,
0: uh, how old were you when you got expelled and had no place to go?
1: I, I must have been 16 and a half wow. at that time. And I got expelled and I found a place to live that was the revolutionary socialist party office and you know communism this this party was much more leftist and revolutionary than the communist at that point
2: and what year is this i started living yeah what year was that in if you can remember that was 1952 1952 okay wow yeah (laughs) 1952
1: february so there they gave us a place to live, and uh, they asked us to teach their Keda uh, people who were uh, uh, workers in the marketplace and uh, boat uh, um, rowers and all that. I, I, I was asked to teach them some English, and in turn they taught us uh, some uh, <laughs> some anti-establishment techniques (laughs) and, uh, you know, certain manner of insurgency and things. So while we were living, I was living in that uh, place of the the, the Revolutionary Socialist Party office, my father came looking for me and went to the hostel. And... uh, the priest, uh, the warden said, "Oh, that boy! We have expelled him. He's no more here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that!" <laughs> and uh, poor dad, you know, he mm. searched out and came to this <laughs> this place, this blessed uh, communist office. I can still see the expression in his in his
2: eyes (laughs) I
1: was sad I was anxious and I was guilty Uh, anyway he went back and I wrote the exam there were three different sections three different parts in that exam and I lost one of it I failed in one subject so uh, the next uh, in the month of September I wrote and got it And uh, the time I spent for uh, special tuition for this subject was a very interesting time in my life. And I got to know a lot of people, and some of them are still my friends. However, I can't go into that right now. But uh, from there, I went for my undergraduate study to a place called Mysore, And I joined St. Philomena's College. That's again a Catholic place. And I took chemistry, botany, and zoology as my main subjects. I give a little emphasis to these subjects because that has a great bearing in uh, uh, my later life. I took CBs at chemistry, botany, zoology, and... um, I didn't leave my insurrections and uh, anti-establishment activities there, but by then I learned the art of playing the gentleman. No, I I was very well behaved among the staff and teachers, and um, I came out very successfully from that uh, undergraduate program. One thing that happened uh, during uh, my undergraduate study is uh, I got friendly with one professor. He was the professor of botany, Professor Varghese Chandi. He was uh, into histrionics and painting and uh, all sorts of uh, fine arts. So he would call me to paint the backdrops for the dramas he was enacting, he was putting up for the college. And I took part in all those dramas and I painted all the backdrops. And we were together most of the evening doing this work. And we became very chummy. <laughs> and along with his teaching me, histrionics and painting. He also taught me another art of uh, smoking cigarettes. <laughs> <laughs> we were very, very, very chummy, and he would, uh, in those days, cigarettes would come in tins, tins of 50. So he would buy a tin of cigarette called, I think at that time it was called Berkeley, Berkeley cigarettes. 50 cigarette tin in the morning, and by the time we finish all those cigarettes would be done. Oh
2: my goodness. I oh, wow. became a
1: chain smoker. <laughs> a chain smoker. <laughs> I paid the price for it later on <laughs> but that's a different story. <laughs> However, <clears throat> I was so close to him and so devoted to him that I studied my botany very intently, and uh, I liked the subject. And since he was the professor in the exam, I got very high marks for botany. Unheard of marks in in those days. In those days, 60% was a very unusual mark. But I got very high marks. And then after my... I guess
2: it's true, it's not what you know, but who you know. (laughs)
1: Yeah, Yeah, but um, Dr. Chandy, he played a a crucial role in my life. Hmm. I loved botany, but uh, after my uh, junior college uh, graduation, I went for a job in the Gulf country, Qatar, Qatar. And there I was given a lab assistant's job. That is a chemist, being a chemist. An assistant for a chemist, because I was new. I worked as a lab assistant in the petroleum lab. Well, my boss was a Britisher. His name was David Taylor. (laughs) He didn't like me for my first look, he didn't like me. Everybody else, he would call Mr. Menon, Mr. Thomas, Mr. this, Mr. that, and he would come and call me Matthew. <laughs> I didn't like the way he took out uh, his uh, tongue to call me Matthew. <laughs> uh, and the he dialect. didn't like this He didn't like this side of me. Very soon, uh, I was not on talking terms with him, so I just wanted to get away from that place. So I applied for a medicine seat uh, in Christian Medical College, Ludhiana, in Punjab. I was allowed to write the exam at Bahrain. There was one Dr. Snow there. He was the brother of the then principal of this college, miss snow who was in ludhiana and her brother was in bahrain i wrote the exam in his house as a very special case Mm -hmm. that was in 1957 and i was placed um, fairly on top of the list selected people and um, i asked mr taylor i want some leave to go and attend this interview he said you have served the company for 21 months. I can give you any leave. I can give you any uh, return fare. If you want, you resign and go. Hmm. <laughs> he was. He would have been very very happy to see my back. So. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to get I resigned, but then he said, I will not give you any fare, and uh, in those days there was this uh, four propelled BOAZ super constellation flights from Bahrain to Bombay, but he didn't give me that. Mm. So I got onto a ship, the ship was overbooked, and I got a place on the deck, 1957 June. Mm, that was the year of the Asian flu. Oh, <laughs> and uh, by the wow. time I reached Karachi, the ship was so badly pitching and rolling, I also got the flu. And after two days, it it burst in Bombay, and I was completely out. I was half-conscious. And uh, a gentleman, a friend of mine, M- Mr. Emanuel, he took me out of the dock and put me in a hotel, some international hotel, and then he went away. I knew it was the 30th of July, 30th of June, and the interview was the 1st of July. There was no way I could reach Ludhiana in in one day's time. Oh. <laughs> so, uh, a boy. It wasn't <laughs> See, the,
0: <laughs>
1: so the uh, in the, in that hotel a shoe shine boy came I couldn't go out I didn't know where the post office was where the telegraph office was I didn't know so I wrote a reply paid the telegram and gave this shoe shine boy and asked him please give this telegram for me and that was for Dr Snow in Louisiana. Oh, he said, no, no, no problem, sir, I will give you, I will give that telegram, and he took the 10 rupees and and went. He never gave the telegram.
2: Oh, man. And took your money, So right? two days
1: later, I, I got a little better, and I traveled by, uh, by air to Delhi, and from Delhi to Ludhiana by train, by the time I reached uh, the college, it was about 8 o'clock in the evening. I went straight to Dr. Snow's house, and I said, Ma'am, I am from Qatar. I am Alex Matthew. Oh, oh, oh. You are Alex Matthew. Hmm. Very sorry, young man. We have finished all the admissions. There is no place. Ah. Oh. So, mm-hmm. I was... What do I feel? I, <laughs> I was dejected, depressed, angry, yeah, and sick. And the sickness worsened when I heard this news. So I went to a hotel and lived there for a few days. From there, I started applying to different postgraduate colleges for admissions in chemistry. You see, officially I'm a chemist, you see. I mean, I was doing almost 21 months of chemist work. And so I wanted chemistry. I applied everywhere. I applied uh, to Delhi University, Agra University, aligarh University, and uh, all sorts of colleges in, in and around Delhi. And, of course, uh, BIT in uh, Pilani. But none of them would offer me chemistry. So I went and actually quarreled with some of the principals and said, why can't you offer me chemistry? I am a chemist. (laughs) (laughs) They would say, young man, you are getting very high marks in botany. You are indeed good in botany. You take botany. We won't give you chemistry. I was fed up. And I went around, went around asking for admission in chemistry. Nobody would give me chemistry. So by the time it was August 12th, already colleges have... Opened, I got a telegram from one college in um, MP Madhya Pradesh. Said there are two seats available in botany. Do you want? If you want, you can come and join straight. I said, all right. I <laughs> <laughs> went and joined botany, and of course I was good in botany. I said botany, and came out uh, very successful, and. Uh, there also, honoring uh, my old professor, Professor Chandi, I took part in um, dramas and uh, other um, art forms. And uh, in that college, I was declared the best actor. Um, and uh, anyway, 1959, I got the MSc degree in botany and came
2: home. Just just to clarify, Alex, for those who are listening, uh, botany is the study of plants, correct?
1: Plants, yes. Yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. Botany is a science, plant science. And uh, I specialized in uh, genetics and plant pathology. Hmm. That was my uh, uh, specialized subject. So uh, at home, there was a professor, uh, my old professor said... Uh, you come back and we will do some research and um, you can take a PhD I will guide you and you come Uh, I said yes I will come and so I went uh, and told my dad and brother now Professor Chakravarti is calling me to do research under him I want to go and I was getting ready to go Um, so I got permission from my dad and packed up my uh, box, and uh, it was at that time that was a tin box, uh, not any uh, leather cases or something. And uh, I asked my uh, house uh, help uh, to take the box, and uh, I was going to the railway station. Uh, But then I met my brother on the way, he was coming towards me, knew he, knowing that I was going. Actually, I was going to meet him and take his permission. So he came and uh, asked me, hey, 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 where are you going? <laughs> I said, I'm invited for doing Ph.D. under Dr. Shagruthi. I'm going. Oh, 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 just a minute, just a minute, hold on. And um, he said, come, come home, we, we have something to discuss. So he took me back home. And uh, he and my father and mother, they were doing something, hush, 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 hush talk. And uh, brother came and said, hey, hey, you wait for a day, two days. Uh, meanwhile, you go to Madras, that is the present Chennai, and uh, someone will come with you and you have to see a girl there. I said, what? <laughs> <He> said, yes, <laughs> you. You go to Madras and uh, see this girl and come. All right. So the next uh, evening, we got onto the train and went to Madras. That was on uh, June 24th, 1959. Mm -hmm. So we reached Madras on the 25th of June. And... uh, this girl was studying in Miras Christian College, Women's Christian College, and she came, her brother went and uh, brought her to the hotel, and uh, we met, and she went back. That evening, we came back home, and uh, my brother asked me, Hey, what do you say? What's your opinion about the girl? <laughs> I said, I have no wrong opinion about her. <laughs> I said, oh, that's enough. <laughs> and uh, then he got on to the father of the girl, and uh, he asked him, what What does your uh, daughter say? Uh, she said um, she has nothing wrong to point out. She said, um, it's okay. Alex, All right.
0: Alex, could we just clarify hmm? huh? for everybody that... Uh, it is the standard procedure in India for to have arranged marriages. So that's what's
1: going Absolutely on. Absolutely, in those yes. days. Yes. In okay. 1959, there were no <laughs> love marriages at all. Maybe one or two in a million, maybe, I think. But by then, wow. at that time, all Christian marriages were arranged marriages. And you hear the one, this was the 25th of June, which was the birthday, Grace's birthday. That was her birthday that day. So they fixed the engagement for the 2nd of July.
0: You were her birthday present? Alex, you were her birthday present?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I was the birthday present for her. (laughs) (laughs) When when she was uh, 24. So engagement was fixed for the 2nd of July, and the marriage was on the 9th of July.
2: And Alex, just to clarify, have, is it is it the fathers that plan this out, or, or how does that work with arranged marriages, the two fathers? Well, the ended? family,
1: the family, the family, the mother and father, uh, and in my case, uh, the brother also took a uh, uh, keen interest, and uh, okay. <coughs> the marriage is wow. six for the 9th of July. In two weeks' time, we were married. I haven't seen her after that, she hasn't seen me, and we haven't telephoned, nothing, nothing, nothing. And we got married in two weeks' time. And uh, that was July. And then uh, she went back to her college to pursue her studies. And in uh, October, I got an appointment as a lecturer in botany from a university in the North India. So I left for that place and joined the college on the 10th of October. And I got a, a place to live, and uh, she joined me later on in November, and we started living there. All this while, that is from 1950 onwards, I had drifted away from the church. The struggle with the Catholic priest, and uh, what I noticed... Uh, ways uh, some of the priests uh, handled uh, young people and uh, uh, their strict, uh, what you call, uh, religious practices and all that, you know, it made me move away from church. And uh, not only just away from church, I became anti-church and anti-religious, I never took part in any church activities or rituals.
2: Because of all the rules, Alex? Was that because of the rules and regulations?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I know you've got to go to church on all Sundays, and the Catholics, of course, if possible, on every day. But anyway, I I moved away from church, and um, I was teaching genetics, and plant pathology, and in genetics, uh, everything about evolution and things. And I taught the children that uh, there is no God. There is no need for God. And uh, God is a psychological necessity. People impose on others. You don't have to accept the existence of a God. There is nothing like that. I taught Mm -hmm. that. (sighs) Meanwhile, I got registered myself for a PhD in plant pathology, and I was pursuing research and doing all the field work. I did that for three years. My guide was one, uh, Dr. Chauhan from uh, North India. He kept me hanging. He he didn't give me registration. He said, registration is nothing. It can be done any time. So I practically completed the work. And uh, one day I made a discovery in the plant. That is, I was working on tomato. And on the tomato root, I found an egg of a nematode. It has uh, um, penetrated the root and it was inside. I, I saw in the slide a nematode egg. So I thought that was a very good break, and I took it to the guide and said, Sir, we have a great discovery here. The inoculum enters through the holes that these nematodes make, and we can, we can really prove the pathogenicity of the, of the organism. Wow. Huh. But the fellow didn't take it very kindly. He said, Matthew, you have no background in nematology you will not be able to defend it when they ask you questions in the open defense so you have to leave this this topic and take something else and he gave me another disease of onions he took away all my work and oh. gave me onion to work on after three years of labor Yes, yeah, so, so he stole frustrated. it from you I was frustrated university politics you know and I being a Christian, and I being from the south, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, I didn't have any sympathy from anybody. Anyway, I got uh, another person from Bombay, another doctor from Bombay, and he asked me come and do work with me, and that created a conflict between him, Doctor Koenig, and uh, Doctor uh, this fellow, my my guide, Shohan. And they were we fighting there, and I was in between. It became real, real difficult. And about that time, I was uh, uh, due for promotion from lecturer to assistant professor. That should be done by the government. And there was one particular clerk, he sent messages to me, Mr. Matthew, you are. Uh, Almost uh, ready for promotion. Your chance. The next chance is yours. But you will get the promotion only if you give me thousand rupees. In those days, thousand rupees was a big, uh, a big uh, amount. Long my long salary long. was uh, my, my salary was under four hundred rupees at that time. So oh. I said, no, nothing oh. doing. I am not going to bribe you. And then he said. In that case, you are not going to be promoted. I I didn't know what to do. I was not ready to bribe, and in the university, they were they have taken away three years of my work. I was frustrated, angry, dejected, depressed, desperate, and uh, <laughs> so then. Yeah, it was... uh, I I think it was beyond understanding because I was uh, so angry. But anyway, the vacation came, I went home, and in the train I got to know one person, Mr. Daniel. Mr. Daniel said, uh, Hey, 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 there are openings in Africa for teachers. Why don't you apply there? So I... um, sent an application to the Tanzanian embassy in Delhi asking um, if they want I can join their their education ministry and I forgot about it. And uh, after the vacation we came back. That was in 1968. Life went on and in September I... Took the B.Sc. final year students for uh, a specimen collection trip to a place called Amarkantak. Amarkantak. Uh, the, the speciality of that place is one great river originates from there. River Narmada originates from Amarkantak. So, at the point of supposed point of origin of that river there is a little uh, temple and a little clearing at the top and there is a waterfall and waterfall is uh, considered to be the beginning of Namada that waterfall must have been something like 20 um, twenty twenty-five feet I think I mean, maybe I can't really recall, but then it must be, be more than 25 feet. And it was in the month of September, soon after uh, monsoon. All the rocks were algae-covered and slippery. So my students, my children were, uh, they might have been mostly 18, 19, 20 children, 20, uh, between 18 and 20. So they said, we want to go down this um, waterfall and take bath. I said, nothing doing, you can't go down, it's, uh, the, all the rocks are slippery, I will not allow you to go. Uh, they were arguing and I, I stood my ground, I said, no, under no circumstances I would allow you to go down the waterfall. Okay, they settled down and they uh, we, we had a cook with us and we were preparing some uh, Indian uh, bread on coal, charcoal, and uh, we were making fun of each other, and we were there. At that time, a man who was sitting in front uh, of that little temple, he got up from there. He slowly moved uh, towards the waterfall. He was moving around with a little difficulty. Probably he had a stick in his hands, and uh, he had uh, a long stick in his hand, and he went around. And in no time, he was beneath the waterfall. He took a bath and came up slowly in his uh, almost wet uh, clothes. And again, he sat down in front of the temple for his uh, uh, ritual prayer and uh, things.
2: And he, he's an older man, is that right? Is that correct, Alex?
1: Yeah, he was uh, definitely older than me. I was at that time 33, and uh, he must have been over 50, def- definitely over 50.
0: And Alex, was he, hind- me- was he a Hindu man?
1: Yes, yes, yes. I mean, he was in front of the temple and uh, uh, meditating, sort of.
2: Well, what you call a Hindu sadhu, no?
1: Yeah, sadhu or yogi. Or, he was a yogi, actually. Okay. Sadhu also means the same thing.
2: Yes.
1: So he was a yogi, and uh, the children noticed this and they came to me, Sir, this old man went down. Can't we go down? I said, "Uh, We don't know where, how he went, and I will ask him anyway. So um, if there is a way, I will allow you to go. So I went to this man and he had his eyes closed and uh, I did the salutations you know the normal Indian salutations touched the place he was sitting and then uh, offered uh, uh, a namaste sort of thing and um, then uh, he asked me who are you I said I am the teacher with these children who have come for some collection Specimen collection oh oh, oh yes I, I heard you have come ah yes what can I do for you I said sir I saw you going down this um, waterfall um, by some path we don't know but um, my children wanted to go I didn't allow because the rocks are really slippery and we didn't know the way and um, um, they want now to go and uh, I want uh, you to tell me how do you manage this, this deep, uh, steep place. And uh, then he opened his eyes, opened uh, whatever was there of his eyes, and I found out he was blind. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And uh, (laughs) that uh, raised up my curiosity. An and I twist. asked him, sir, how do you manage this? You, you can't see, you are, you are blind, and how do you manage this? <laughs> and then he said, young man, I will tell you, but uh, what I will tell you will be of uh, no meaning to you. It won't mean anything to you. Mm, I said, uh, sir, but uh, I, w- I would like to know how you managed it. And then he said, look, I have got a bam- bamboo stick with me. I am blind. I put my stick down and then I will move where this stick allows me. And I can go anywhere I want. As long as I have this stick with me, no p- problem. Ah, I heard it. I thought it was not a big deal. So I got up and I was walking back. <laughs> then he called me, Hey, 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 I told you my answer wouldn't mean anything to you. Then that's what you don't care for this answer, you're going back. I didn't say anything, I started walking back, and then he said, Come back here. So I went back to him. <laughs> he asked me, You know what's your problem? Of course, I'm in mean, that. Um, to three years um, and I thought I was um, fairly (laughs) well placed I said I have no problem I have no problem then I started walking back then he called me back again he said you have a problem I said what is that you won't go anywhere You can't go anywhere, because you don't have a stick. (laughs) You don't have a stick. Where will you go? What will you hold on to? Hmm, that was a ton of bricks on me. I slowly walked back to the children, and I didn't talk to them much. They understood that something has happened. So they didn't press me. And of course, after the uh, time was over, we went back home. And uh, that night, after 18 years, I took the Bible and read it meaningfully. By then, we had children, and my ch- um, our children were going to Sunday school, and we were going to church for, uh, for the sake of going. Uh, that was all going on. But that night I read the Bible meaningfully and I opened the Bible and lo and behold, where do I open? John 15. John 15. And as a botanist, hmm. it told me everything. Hmm. And verse 5 says, apart from me, You can do nothing. Apart from me, you are not going to get your PhD. Apart from me, you are not going to be promoted. Apart from me, you are not going to do anything. (laughs) I got the message. And I read through the whole chapter. And that day, I decided, there's no point in living like this. I need my faith back. All the training behind me, my 15 years of background training, which uh, uh, Betty asked me, all those uh, very strict training in Christian living, that came back to me, and I gave my life to the Lord. He is my stick. I can go anywhere, I can do anything without him, and he has been my constant companion, in uh, not only in the stick sense, but in the abiding sense. He said, I would abide in you, you abide in me, I abide in you, and we are one. As I am in the Father, you are in me, and you are in the Father, we are one. And that was how Jesus put me at a point and said, I am your life. You have no life other than mine. No life outside me. You are mine. And he caught me (laughs) after 18 years. (laughs) And all the time he was preparing, every incident when I look back, was to this point everything, you know. You take any incident in my life from then on. I was there, and even behind. If we go, maybe in 1947, when I was uh, maybe 12 years old, I was asked by our uh, school football team to come for selection. I went for selection, and the person who was doing the selection. He didn't like me. He didn't like me because his father didn't like my father. So he didn't select me. There were only 13 children for being selected. Eleven of them were selected, and he could have kept some extras, but he said, No, you are not in the team. And from that day onwards, I have not played any game. But I put my attention into art, histrionics and painting and that sort of thing. That's what attracted me to Professor Professor Chandy. You see, way back, he was at it. The Lord was at it. He gave me interest in histrionics and painting. Professor Chandy was an expert in that, and he took me on. And uh, botany (laughs) has finally... Caught me, and the Lord said, Abide in me. And that's it. That was it. That's how I met Him, and He took me on. I am in Him, He is in me, and all things work together for the good. Every incident in my life points me to the fact that He was doing it very purposefully, (laughs) to get me on to himself. Mm -hmm. All those failures and all those pain and disappointment, everything to that point. And so after that, um, the next March, I think, 68 and 68, uh, uh, 69 March, I got... uh, The appointment order from Africa, from East Africa, Tanzania. You are appointed as an education officer here. So I left everything, all the muck there, all the PhD and my promotion. I left it, and I went to Africa. Everybody said, don't go. It's a dark continent. No, 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 you don't. You should not go. But I went, and I landed right in the midst of beautiful people wonderful Christians and actually my Christian growth happened in Tanzania spiritual growth wonderful people a lot of missionaries from Australia and the local people I had wonderful fellowship with them and I was a church elder in the Cathedral of the Holy Spirit in Dodoma, and I grew there really really and my first lessons in counseling was in 1971 in an institution associated with the cathedral and that was the takeoff from there the lord has brought me to this point
2: alex Praise the lord okay. yes. just to clarify um i remember you telling me a story and I, i'm thinking it's around this part in your testimony um, where you, you went to fast and you were fasting because you wanted to see the Lord and then a person came to your house?
1: Yeah, yeah, that was later on. That, okay. was, that was in 85.
2: Okay, so that, that, that story That was in
1: 85. Yeah, yeah, that was in 85. This These things happened in the early 70s. Okay. Like going to Africa and getting into the fellowship, all that happened in the early 70s. But uh, the instance you referred to happened in 85, later. (laughs) Uh, So that is the gist of uh, how uh, the Lord uh, took me on.
0: Amen. Yeah, what an amazing story. It was a wonderful story, Alex. We appreciate it so much. And it's just so true that... As we look back at our lives, we know the Lord has used every single thing in our lives to prepare us for what's yeah. ahead, and we can't say <laughs> what's good and bad because he uses every bit of it, and we, yes. our job is just Isn't to see it? him in it.
1: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's that's all. I mean, Mike had uh, several times told me my response to life is amen. Yes. Amen, Lord. Yes. yes. We
0: love it. Yes. Well, thank you, Alex. Thank you so much for sharing your testimony with us. And it's just going to be so valuable for so many people. We love it. Yeah. Thank you so much (sighs) for sharing. And we are going to take a break. And when we come back, we will talk more with Alex.